And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk money with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to see you back. And yes, it's good to be back, although I must admit, I rather enjoyed two weeks in Queensland. The weather was very pleasant and uh, it's a little bit cooler here in Canberra. Just a touch, yeah, just a touch. Just a touch but look at the weather today. Oh, uh, you know, it's been it's been really nice it's today. Smashing, and we're going to maybe play golf tomorrow, so it'll buck. No, it's going to rain tomorrow. Yeah, I can go. promise you that. But there you go. Yeah, the big man's not happy about that. You is can it? you can play golf in the rain, can't you? Just wear <laughs> a big coat. You know, nah, you'll that's, be right. Stay home weather. <laughs> stay home weather. We're talking about where we should hold our assets when we make investments. And, of course, there's a range of different kinds of investments you can make. So I suppose there might be a range of different answers to this question. Look, exactly right. And I think this is more just about raising the awareness of things because I'm fond of late with 30 June approaching, a lot of people are preparing for the new financial year and, and, and looking to try and either build, borrow or, or, or extend on their portfolios. And I thought just throwing around some ideas just to get you thinking about not just what to buy, but where to buy it. Because we spoke last week about using a family trust, and that's one example of a vehicle that can hold an asset. And there are some advantages and disadvantages of any structure that you want to use. So I'd rather people know that they're available and just ask the question. Because the sad part about some of this is they'll go and buy something, put a deposit on something, and then go, oh, can I just put it in there? Mm. And you go, yeah, sure. If you want to pay stamp duty again, no problems. Or the entity that you want to use won't allow you to buy that sort of thing. So you need to keep in mind that whilst there are various ways to buy things, which could be in your own name, in joint names, tenants in common. Now, that's one that gets confused a lot. So we own something jointly. You and I own it. And if I die, you own it after I pass. It passes to the surviving individual. Tenants in common says, I own 50% of it. You own 50% of it. And if I die, my estate owns 50% of that entity it doesn't transfer to the other person. So whilst the name jointly is used, it's 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 something that is very, very different. Yeah, so I, I think, always get those mixed up. Joint tenants and tenants in common, two very different things and very correct. easy to mix them up. Yeah, exactly. So you need to, again, start with why and come backwards from there. We could also then go and buy things in a family trust. We could also go and buy things in a company. Um, you could also go and buy something in a self-managed super fund. So it really depends, as I say all the time, why am I doing something? Where am I going to hold it? And then what am I going to buy? Because you want to come at it and say, what is my strategy? What is my structure? And then what is my investment? Because like the tires on a car, you wouldn't walk into Bob Jane, get a 20-inch tire, and then stroll down to BMW, drop that on the counter and say, hey, what does this fit on? Nobody buys a car like that. And if you did that at BMW, they'd probably laugh at you. (laughs) But you'd also then realise that half the room that you may like have a different size tyre. So you have to understand what you're going to buy and where you're going to buy it. Some of the advantages of a trust, as we said last week, you can distribute income to multiple people. You can distribute capital gains on the sale of an asset. So what if you bought an investment property inside a trust, held it for 20 years, and like most people do, they go, oh, I'm going to own 99% of it because I need the tax deduction because of my salary. But then when you go to sell it, you're now got 99% of the capital gain tax problem. And they go, oh, I didn't think about that. So you need to think with the end in mind. So you need to think long-term. Benefits of a trust, I might get some of that income. You might get some of that income. My mum might get some of that income. My sister might get some of that income. Your nephew might get some of that income. 
And as the name says, a discretionary family trust gives you the discretion to distribute something on paper. Because a lot of parents go, I'm not giving my kid that money. You're not going to. It just gets added to their tax return. The money stays in the bank. Exactly. Okay? You could also buy things in a company. Now, there are different tax benefits of holding something in a company. There are different income tax benefits because anything that you earn is capped at the company rate of 30%. So if your marginal tax rate is more than 30%, buying something in a company may save you some tax over the time that you hold the asset. So again, what am I buying and how long am I going to hold it? You could buy something in a self-managed super fund. You you don't do this. You don't go to an auction on the weekend, put a deposit down in your own name and then come to somebody like me on a Monday and go, hey, can I just buy that off myself and put it in the super fund? Because that's a... And there's going to be some tears. Well, the answer is yes, you can, but it will cost you a lot and it will be very difficult. (laughs) In in that example, the flat answer is no, that ship sailed unlucky. Right. Um, So, you know, there are flexibilities with certain structures that you can take advantage of, but I always preface things by saying have it set up before you make the acquisition because you need to be prepared so that you have your paperwork in order with your I's dotted and your T's crossed because that is very, very important when you start to talk about things like a super fund. Now, extending out on that super fund, we're not just talking about physical property. So you need to think about where am I going to hold a listed share? Can I hold it in my own name? Yes. Can I hold it in joint names? Yes. Could I hold it in a trust? Yes. Could I buy it in a company? Yes. Can I buy it in a super fund? The answer is I depend. It depends. And I say that because not all super funds offer the same investment menu. Right. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. You need to look under the hood of your super fund and say, hey, I'm in the ABC super fund. Does it let me buy this? So self-managed super funds are great for self-employed people that want to own the premise they work out of or to buy physical, commercial or residential property. A normal super fund won't let you do that. So you need to understand the structure you're going to hold the asset in to see if it's actually available. Another local example, say you're in the PSSAP, right? Government fund, four investment options. Can I buy a building in there? No. Can I buy shares in there? No. Can I buy listed investment companies in there? No. Can I buy ETFs in there? No. There's heaps of no's when it comes to choice with the PSSAP. But as I've said in the past, does that make it bad? Not necessarily. For the same reason I don't drive a Mini at six foot five, it's just not right for me. So make sure you've got an understanding of what you want to buy and where you can hold it well before you engage the paperwork, the purchases and the the various costs of acquisition so there's no surprises. Now, would you believe a listener has called in with a question and that wants to know, can you put money into your super if you are already retired and does it have to be before the end of the financial year? So the answer to that in general terms is yes. There are some caveats because depending on how old a net is, for example, under the legislation at the moment, a net can put money into superannuation where she is under 67 years of age. Over the age of 67, she will need to meet a work test, which is 40 hours in 30 days, and then she could make a contribution. She needs to keep in mind that she can put $27,500 in and claim a tax deduction, or she could put in $110,000 in a single financial year or $330,000 over a rolling three-year period as a lump sum. But Annette also needs to keep in mind that there are total super 
balance limits that she must not exceed. And people need to keep in mind that from the 1st of July, if it's passed, you'll be able to make contributions up to the age of 75 without having to meet the work test. Okay. So there's, there's a significant change coming. So there's a few things to consider there, and I guess what Annette really should do uh, is uh, is consult somebody like you to uh, hmm. get some good advice. Um, she also says, is there a certain amount she can put in at one time? Apparently she was told that she can put in $43,000, but she thinks she has to do it before the end of the financial year. Well, again, it depends, one, depends, on the type yeah. of contribution and, two, the, the statutory limits, which are 27500 for a deduction, 110000 for a non-concessional payment, which is money that is not tax going in, or potentially a $330,000 payment in one go where she's not claiming a tax deduction, provided she adheres to a couple of other rules and regulations. So it's it's pretty broad and it's, it's, it's pretty hefty. All right. So back to our topic today, where should I hold my assets when it comes to investments? What are the things that people need to consider when uh, making decisions about what structures they use? Yeah, so this is really, really important. So think about the duration you're going to hold the asset. So am I going to keep this long-term or is it a speculative punt? Am I going to be able to take advantage of something like a trust? Do I have people that I could distribute the money to beneficially? So whilst you could have a family trust, if you don't have anywhere else to pass the money, there's not a lot of benefit from the structure, you could argue. Um, Also think about the tax implications inside the structure. Am I using a company? I'll pay tax at 30%. Am I using a family trust? I must distribute all the income at the end of the year. Am I owning it jointly? Am I owning it tenants in common? Who is going to be responsible for paying the tax on the earnings that could occur? So understand the tax profile of what you're going to buy. I'd also then think about what you're going to use the asset for. Is it a commercial property? Is it a residential property? Can I buy it? in the structure I want to use. As I said earlier, there are certain rules in relation to the acquisition of a property when a self-managed super fund is involved. I could buy a commercial property off a related party. Sure, there's an exemption for that. Could I buy a residential home off a related party? No. So understand the rules and regs of the entity that you're going to use because there are some related party issues when it comes to self-managed super funds. And there are also some potential implications in relation to tax and tax deductions between a family trust and a company. So talk to your trusted advisor, go to your accountant, get engaged with them and make sure that you are doing the right thing, not just in the short term, but also in the longer term. Another really, really important one is who controls the entity you are using? Are you going to have an individual trustee of a family trust? Are you going to incorporate a company and have multiple directors? Are you going to have shares in a unit trust? Are you going to use a company and then who's going to control it? So understand the legal control of the entity that you're going to use. And again, your trusted lawyer, your trusted accountant will be across these sorts of things because they're not new, right? We're not putting a flag anywhere new here, right? We haven't found a cure for something. We're just making people aware of entities that are available that are really, really powerful because I'm yet to work with anybody that says, oh, I made $500,000 selling this asset and look at all the options I have to try and (laughs) mitigate my tax. No one gets upset about that. They get upset about, oh, it's all in my name and I'm going to cop it. So having choice is a good thing. You just need to understand the parameters that come with that choice 
and the good and the bad of each entity because it's not all cupcakes and rainbows on all on all regards. I've always remembered a quote from a uh, a, a millionaire, multi-millionaire real estate developer who said, I don't know why people complain about paying tax. If you're paying tax, it means you're making a profit. Hmm. But just because that's true doesn't mean you need to pay more tax than you should. Well, <laughs> you know, as Mr. Packer... <laughs> Rest his soul said, you know, if you're paying too much, you're an idiot. I think his 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 comment, you know, in the in the in the courts that day went along those lines. And look, I think that's fair and reasonable. Um, people work very very hard to accumulate assets, and they should work equally as hard to try and make sure that they mitigate unnecessary tax. Um, but you know, we all have to pay a little something, so we've got nice shiny grass at Parliament House and nice smooth roads to drive on. So you know, in Canberra, we can we can see where the money's going. Um, Sydney, not so much. But anyway. Um, it, it, it just pays to be aware of your choices because there's nothing more frustrating as an advisor. Somebody comes in and buys three or four things in quick succession in potentially an entity that doesn't give them flexibility mm. and all they had to do was ask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, make sure you've, do, you've done your homework before making the decision mm. and before taking the step uh, because obviously it's, uh, it's a lot better to have that preparation in place than it is to try and undo the, undo the mess later 100%, 100%. on. 100%. Uh, yeah, unscrambling the egg, it's not always possible. Mm, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with Luke Smith from Envision Financial today. We're talking about where should I hold my assets when it comes to making investments. But if we want to uh, make sure we get some sort of return on, on our investment, instead of sticking it under the bed, what are our options uh, in terms of the structures that we use yeah. and what are the key things to remember? I think the, the big thing is go into this with your eyes open just because you can you know just because there's a name for a unicorn doesn't mean you can get one mm. you know and i think just because you can have a structure that's available to you doesn't necessarily automatically mean that it's right for you so speak to your trusted advisor be your accountant be your planner be your your lawyer about the pros and cons of entities because they're not all perfect um, and there's good and bad on both sides and you need to weigh that up also then consider your long-term accumulation plans you know, a trust in a company can be great for amassing assets in a single entity um, and then you have income and drawings and ways to fund yourself in conjunction with super and other assets. So think about the time frame you're going to be investing. Think about who's going to control the asset. As we said before the ad break, you can have different people have different functions in relation to the control of trusts. We talked about jointly owned versus joint tenants, um, tenants in common. Make sure you understand the ownership implications of the way you're buying the asset because they're not all the same make sure if you're doing something with friends there's written agreements in place and there's some sort of legality because that always ends in tears when it became i thought you said mm. we agreed you didn't so write it down and i hadn't considered that because uh, making an investment with friends uh well i'd be pretty cautious about that in the first place mm. uh but uh i suppose the same advice could even apply to uh make sure you've got written agreements if you're doing it with family members because oh. you know you can have the same sort of problems i mean that's not written agreements that's that's a blood oath between family members because that one turns to tears in a heartbeat. So, yeah. you know, for all the mums and dads out there that go, oh, I'll just lend Billy 100000 bucks to buy his house, write that up. You're a creditor. You need mm. to be recognised. Or put a caveat over the property. Speak to your, your, your lawyer about that because that's a massive, massive problem because if Billy and Sharon end up getting divorced yeah. and the house gets cut up and it goes 50-50 between the two of them and you're out of pocket hundred grand without an agreement, oh, Nobody likes an in-law or an outlaw that much. So make sure you've got it documented because you need things to be recognised in the eyes of the law, but also to protect yourself and the people that you're involved with. Also, don't just do something because everyone else is doing it. 
bring it back to your why. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Where am I going to do it? In that order. Just because your mates go and buy something doesn't mean you have to go and do it or use that entity. You find that one a lot with self-managed super funds. People come in and go, oh, I'd love a self-managed super fund, thanks. Why? Well, all the lads at work have got one. Oh, okay. And you all drive the same car and have the same wife and the same children and the same holiday home and do what's right for you. Don't just do it because someone else is. And the big one here is make sure your estate planning addresses the structure you've created. So speak to your family lawyer because if you die, you want it to pass the succession route that you prefer. Really important to understand that. Fantastic. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so look, if you're unsure, if you plan on buying something, it doesn't hurt to ask the question before you pull the trigger. 6260-4749 is the office number. Uh, envisionfinancial.com.au, that's Envision with an E. We've got the Knowledge Centre there. There's a resource tab. People can subscribe to that for free. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And more importantly, we've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, where you can watch the show on your iPhone get the key takeouts, read nothing, and do it all from the couch with a drink in your hand. Which is very, very comfortable indeed. Luke, thanks very much. Pleasure. We'll catch you again next Friday when Luke Smith from Envision Financial will be back in the studio once again to talk money.